0: Hello
1: hello from the Magic Tavern. It's a comedy chat show.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's
1: fully improvised. Yeah, it was, it was a snippet of the theme song like right that. there. Yeah.
0: Arnie Neekamp fell through a dimensional portal behind a Burger King in Chicago into the magical land of Foon, where he hosts a podcast every week with a wizard and a talking badger.
1: You know what it's like? It's what? like Cheers, but in Middle Earth. Oh, I love that. Or it's like It's Always Sunny in Narnia. Even better. Um, some of your favorite earwolf...
0: People uh, have been on recently. Paul F. Tompkins played a fancy fawn. Oh. What is he
1: going to play, a regular fawn? Of course Paula not. Tompkins we're talking about here. Lauren Lapkus as a shy genie. Ooh, Sean and Hayes from Hollywood Handbook as mole warriors. Oh, and our baby girl Tani Newsome
0: as an angry teenage elf. Oh, my God. Plus people from outside the Earwolf ecosystem. Jesse Thorne, Jordan <laughs> Morris, <laughs> Alex Goldman, Jordan <laughs> Klepper, Scott oh. Adsit.
1: Travis McElroy! Guys, t- come come hang out at the tavern with your new best friends. You can start at the beginning, follow the whole story, or you can jump into any episode that sounds appealing. It's really up to you. It's hello from the Magic Tavern. It's every Monday on Stitcher or Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Dave yeah! St. Holmes, I do declones. Matthew St. McConkie. I am doing that um, clever rhyme, of course, because it's Blair St. Clair Day yeah. here at Homophilia. That is correct. Blair will Blair be here after, after the break. That's so exciting. Um, but we just we, we actually were, uh, frankly, at a loss as to what to talk about <laughs> exactly. in this intro. Yeah. And so we took it to the people. Yeah. We shouted into the, into the village square. Yep. And guess what? They shouted back. One person shouted back. Yep, just in time. Just in time. And what did they ask, Dana? They wanted to know uh, biggest pop culture blind spots. Biggest oh, yes. pop culture blind well, spot. I know what mine is because this will give you something to talk about, actually. Oh, okay. And Thank mine you. is the Bachelor Universe. Oh, really? As much as I consume reality TV yeah. and garbage and everything, that I've that I've never been able to connect to that. And yeah. meanwhile, I'm seeing you. Up on your stories, yeah. Uh, creating j- what seemed to be vision boards, actually.
0: Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, what's going on? So, uh, ter- okay, so I've got my like di- type one diabetic running group, right? Right. Uh, there's a bunch of us. We all have the same dumb uh, chronic illness, and uh, and we run long distances, and uh, and we got to talking recently about Bachelor in Paradise, which I did not know that we all had in common. Everybody watches it. Everybody watches the Bachelor franchise. Uh, I I'm not. Always as up on the current seasons of The Bachelor or The Bachelorette, it really depends on the mix of personalities that you get in the house. Mm-hmm. This past season, there was, of course, Joe the grocer. He was he was thrown out on his ear on night one. He's absolutely adorable. I can't get enough of him. Um, so he's in Paradise this season. We got to talking and, uh, and everyone watches Bar- Bachelor in Paradise. So I was like, hey, I tell you what, why don't you – why doesn't everyone come over to my house? Ben often works on Tuesday nights. He doesn't watch the show anyway. We can hang out. I'll grill some steaks. We'll watch, you know, we'll open a gajillion bottles of wine and we'll watch it and we'll make fun. And so, great. So Craig, one of them, the real go-getter of the bunch, comes over fully with foam core and twine and scissors and a glue stick and, and like, starts putting together a board of, like, who is choosing who and who's in a relationship with who and who's talked to who, and it's fully, like, the Zodiac like, oh wow! You know what I mean? Yes, like yeah. it's homeland just homeland
1: style connecting. Exactly,
0: mm-hmm. um, and so that I mean, you know, by the end of the first episode, it was impossible to keep up. But we're we're trying.
1: So so Plus, this people go j- away and people come back and people come new ones come in and and this arts and crafts project I've seen is literally just for you guys to keep track of of who's fucking yeah. – Pretty much, yeah. Oh, I, I thought that this there was a fantasy oh, uh, no. league element no. of this. You don't even need that.
0: Well, no. And also it would be frustrating because the rules of the show are ever-changing. Like it's there's no real way to win. There's no real thing you do win. It's just like – it's just a bunch of people on an island having sex.
1: And is that is that the entire premise of the show? Yes. There is So there's not a prize at the end. There's not a prize. Sometimes people get engaged
0: – some some couples have come together from Paradise. There's a baby that was that was born from a couple that met in Paradise, right. so it could happen. So I I've, I have mixed emotions this season because Joe is on. He is absolutely because he gets a lot more screen time now, obviously because he hasn't been kicked off, and he is just he appears to just be dumb as a post, oh, no. and, but in in a way that makes you love him. Oh. You know what I mean? Like he's just he he just. Doesn't always have a whole lot to say, Mm -hmm. and it's just I don't know. He really he 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 plucks a string deep within me. He's very he's very Midwestern. He's like exactly the type that I like. I don't. It's I I feel like this is the real thing for me and Joe. You and Joe. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Uh, To get him on the show and get his. Oh my god! If you
0: want to see me fucking (laughs) fall apart in front of your eyes, (laughs) get him. Get me in the same room as him. My nervous antics will make you. Throw your head back in laughter, so he doesn't get. There's no voting. There's no. Getting there is off. voting off because, mm-hmm. be, okay, because like at the end of the last episode, there were like nine men and nine women, and they had all like pair. Well, it started off with like ten or ten or eleven men and nine women, and the the women had the power in the rose ceremonies. So it was like if it was only nine women or however many I said there were, they each gave a rose to the, the person they wanted to get to know better. And then whoever was left over had to go. And can so you, then what, can it was you, even, so you can't receive more than one rose. No. Got it. Um, and then like a couple more men came in and a bunch more women came in and then the men had the power and there were, cause there were more women than men. And so like four women left. Mm. And so, yeah, so y- you don't get anything for staying, but you want to stay cause it's paradise. Why wouldn't you want to stay?
1: And just a guess—is it kind of maybe ninety, ninety-five percent Caucasian? The cast? Ah, uh, yeah, really? seventy-five. Okay, yeah, okay. That's seventy-five. Progress, like yeah, I'm assuming it is. Yeah, for the Bachelor Universe. Um,
0: I also heard recently uh, because everyone, when they get eliminated, either from the the Bachelor proper or. Bachelor in Paradise, always cries in the SUV on the way out. Somebody told me recently that they the producers just drive them around until they cry. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like just they go around and around in a circle until what they're crying about is like, I want to not be in this SUV anymore. I'm yeah. I'm hungry. My blood sugar is low. I'm dying. I'd cry too. Yeah. Anyway, I, 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 I that doesn't sound like a recommendation, but it's a fun show. So if you feel like coming by for steak and, you know. That's Tuesday nights. You're nice more than welcome Tuesday. It's Monday and Tuesday nights. Oh, wow. Tuesday, we can watch the highlights of Monday, then dive right into Tuesday's episode. So what's your blind uh, um, spot? Okay, this is a thing that I um, – I don't know that – I don't think I've said out loud in a, in a public space. Um, and it's kind of one of those things. Like I feel like I'm one of those people who – like in Big Little Lies, like I'm going to uh, like sell my virginity. Um, I've never seen any of the
1: Godfather movies.
0: Oh, wow. Yeah.
1: I also never seen I've the big Lebowski. Heard.
0: You've not seen them either. No.
1: Really? I, you, I can't. I think I maybe have seen, seen part one. I don't remember okay. if I've
0: finished it. I've never seen any of them. And they're, I mean, that's a huge thing. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, and I know references from them and how to use those references. But of I've course, just you never know seen. that there's a horse head buried in the bed. Is, or, I yeah. mean, hidden yeah. <laughs> in the <laughs> bed. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I don't know, Fredo. Like you call somebody a Fredo when they do the thing. Oh, I, yeah. I forget what. I don't, like, have, I don't have Donald J. Reference. Trump is kind of our Fredo, right, Junior. Uh-huh, it's kind uh-huh. of our Fredo. I know, I know the. I'm conversant in it, sort of. So it's I mean, almost like – You don't need to watch it. Well, I guess I should. But now I want to like I, – I need to get like Decider or somebody like that to like pay me to watch yes. it and write about yes. the experience of seeing it for the first time as a man in my 40s in 2018. Um, but, but I also, I am loath to give up the thing where I say, I've never seen any of the Godfather movies and people go, what? And get all like bent out of shape. Uh huh. Like that's, that's kind of fun you know, for me. You are
1: not getting that reaction from me because well, yeah. I've got a thousand blind spots anyway. So yeah. The big Lebowski also is a big one. I've never seen that. Oh, that, I don't, that, uh, wanna necessarily. I, I, I don't think you're missing a ton. Yeah. I, I like the dude's, um, aesthetic. Yeah. I like be, spending life in a robe. Sure. You know, yeah. that appeals to me. Aspirational. Yeah. But otherwise, yeah. That's that's the whole movie. What else What's your Godfather besides The Godfather? <laughs> I think yeah, I don't think I've se- I think I've seen some of part 1, not the other ones. But I've never seen um I don't know, I've never watched Breaking Bad. Oh, I never that, watched yeah. Game of Thrones. Yeah. Um The Wire. Tried a couple times. Me too. Me too. Couldn't, couldn't follow the, by the end of the pilot, I was like, well, I already don't know what's going on. Yeah. I, I, I can't, I don't know that I can commit to and, you know. Yeah.
0: I had somebody's season one DVD box set for like a year and a half and I, I, I liked it. and I knew that I would like it, but oftentimes with stuff like that, it's like, do what, can I spare this like three months exactly.
1: to hack away at this thing that I know I'm going to like. So maybe people should should weigh in, uh, listeners. Just yeah. let us know if we had to choose. Mm-hmm. Should we watch the Godfather movies? Yeah, The Wire. Yeah, the well, you've wa- the other things you've seen. Which. You've, you've seen Game of Thrones and Breaking Bad. I have, yeah, yeah. The yeah. Sopranos. I was in and out on the Sopranos. Okay, I only did a few episodes. Actually, really liked what I saw. Yeah. It's Good. But, but, again, but then it's like, do I do I want to dive into that, or do I want to watch Sex and the City season four a third time? Uh-huh, you know, uh huh. Yeah. Listen, you make your choices in this life.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah. If you got, you know what? If the, if there's stuff you want us to discuss, yes, reach out. Reach out. Or at Homophilia Pod, yeah. At Homophilia Pod, uh, reach out with uh, with messages of uh, of curiosity and joy. We love to
1: connect with you. Mm-hmm. That's correct. Uh, after the break. Claire St. Claire. St. from season 10 of RuPaul's Drag Race is here. Wow. wow. Dave. Yeah? Big, 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 big news. Tell me. Shameless. Yeah? The Showtime Show is coming back. Guess who's going to be a guest star? I don't know. Courtney Cox. Stop it, really? Best friend of my best friend, Jennifer Aniston. Oh, that's so exciting. What's also exciting is that this episode of Homophilia is brought to you by the new season of Shameless featuring guest appearances by Courtney Cox and is premiering only on Showtime. Well, the
0: Gallaghers have moved on up in the world, they're facing new challenges with reason and maturity. (laughs) Ha ha! I don't think so. Nope. That was a psych because it's the Gallaghers.
1: Uh, They are back there in over their heads. As usual, the Emmy-nominated William H. Macy and Emmy Rossum star in Shameless premiering Sunday, September 9th at 9 p.m., followed by the series premiere of Kidding, starring Jim Carrey at 10 p.m. Kidding. You can stream it. You can watch it. You can demand. You can watch it live, but it's only available on Showtime.
0: Folks, we are back.
1: Blair St. Clair. Blair St. Clair is here. Hey, so happy to be here, guys. Literally in town. You were saying for another hour.
2: Yeah, probably for about another hour, hour and a half. And I'm jet setting onto the next city I'm going to. Wow, it never stops. It <laughs> never.
1: never stops. <laughs> the life. And but you're New York based normally, right?
2: No, I'm actually Washington DC based. Oh. So that, that's where I live um but I travel, you know, everywhere. So you could say that I'm based basically anywhere because I'm I work there. If yes. you want me there, I'll be there. Of, course. <laughs> it's in a few hours. of the
0: world. But you moved there from where? <laughs> from Indianapolis. That's okay. where I was born
2: and raised, grew up.
0: Uh-huh. Mhm. And then... Small uh, town
2: boy, big city dreams. <laughs> yeah,
0: making them come true.
2: You know, I, I like to tell people that I was a small town kid with big dreams, and now I'm a big city kid with even bigger dreams. Okay. You know, it just never stops.
0: Oh,
1: great. I love it. I love it. it just keeps growing. So when Blair St. Clair was growing up, you know, two years ago, you were <laughs> a, a doughy thing, um, what, what kind of stuff were you watching and consuming that inspired you? Like, what were the, the shows and, and movies That really, you know, got you going.
2: Interesting question, because I've always been really drawn to media and entertainment that you would probably consider a little bit more old-fashioned, a little bit more vintaged um, because I've always really loved the old Hollywood classic movies. I've always been drawn to things that are in black and white. Uh Um, I've always loved listening to jazz music. You know, I I grew up listening to um, Frank Sinatra and like on on record players and old school musicals and like the originals and the standards. And um, the past few years, especially that my taste has really changed from being less traditional in like musical theater, less traditional um, old Hollywood type things. Mm -hmm. And they've kind of transformed into being more theatrical so it's Mm kind of like finding my you know what out what's out there that's really um fun whimsical cool but maybe slightly more modern more mainstream
1: okay that all tracks though i feel like in your your work as a performer and people comment on that all the time yeah Yeah. i have an old hollywood Mm -hmm. almost like like um I I don't know like a uh, Mimi me in Saint Louis. Yeah, vibe. definitely. Yeah, we got some costumes in the barn. Let's put
0: on a show.
2: Yeah, uh, yes, yeah. If you if you have it, I'll I'll make it work. And, uh-huh. and I love that classic beauty and that classic thing. But what I found like, that I like the most about the classic look when you. We, we, call it, you know, that by definition, I like the cleanliness of it. It's clean, mm-hmm. it's sharp, it's simple, it's pretty. And um, my form of, you know, what I do in my work, I like to have that really beautiful, authentic female illusion. Yeah, And so that's why I was really drawn to that. But that can also be editorial and high fashion, as long as it's, cre- um, as long as it's um, clean and streamlined. And I, I really like that effect.
0: Mm-hmm. I have to tell you, when you said that you really liked classic Hollywood movies, mm-hmm. I was expecting, as were, I would imagine, a lot of our listeners, for you to say, like... Uh, how to lose a guy in 10 days. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> sure. Because you sure. do look very young.
2: Yes, yes. I get that every day. I mean, yeah. I'll, I'll be on an airplane and a flight attendant will most likely walk up to me. Then this happens many times. <gasps> Would you guys, do you want to meet the pilot? Do you want to wings? <laughs> oh. And I'm like, I'm 23 years old and I don't want to meet the pilot and get some wings. I want to sleep. <laughs> but um, I, I take it as a compliment. I tell people yeah, one day I'll, I, I want to be contacted to do wrinkle cream ads because uh-huh. I'll have flawless skin at 40. And yeah. you know, I'll be still, I'll make, look 20 then. Oh, God,
0: yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you uh, you present quite young,
2: which, you <laughs> which helps in my career. Yeah, it does
0: help. Uh, what do you like when you're? If you can't sleep on a plane, like mm-hmm. what's what's loaded up on your laptop for you to watch? So I always do travel
2: with something to watch because okay. it does get very very lonely. So I always have my iPod, uh, my iPad on hand. And right now I've been watching a bunch of um, America's Next Top Model reruns. Really, really good. Uh, really big fan of the show. I was really really interested in the show when I was in middle school, and it. I kind of stopped watching it when I was in high school. I got busier, and um, you might not think that that was too long ago, but it was actually (laughs) quite quite a while ago when I was watching the show, and I've been watching a lot of the reruns recently and just really studying modeling and how to build a career. The whole show is based on bringing up a model and like how to not just be pretty and not just stand in front of a camera but how to build yeah. your entire career and mm-hmm. I think that those are like been really great lessons for me recently. Just watching me, like, okay, now I have this career, what can I do with it from here? Mm-hmm. So the show I've always just been like um, enthralled with so I've been watching that a lot recently but also um, I've been trying to find some new musicals uh-huh. That are streamable on YouTube. Yeah. So I they released Mean Girls the musical this past year on Broadway, and they had a bootleg available for a while on oh, wow. the internet. So I, I definitely got to watch that, and um, just other things that are that are popping up. You know, that have that kind of um,
0: the kind of the classic feel to it. Uh huh. Yeah. What are some of the the tips you got from America's Next Top Model about how to ex- the- how to Maximize your career opportunities.
2: Well, I've learned, especially maximizing your career and opportunities is about striking while the iron is hot. Mm-hmm. So, but it's also not, you know, it's about like attacking that time that you have, that time frame to really build your brand, really build your image, but not to spread yourself too thin because when you're when you're hot, when you're booming, when you're working a lot, that's great. But if you are taking every opportunity you're given all at once, you are limiting, I think, your ability to, to continue working all the time. So something that I've really learned from Tyra Banks, who is a huge inspiration to me, is about, um, she talks about, you know, taking opportunity, how you present yourself to those opportunities. Uh-huh. You know, you show up to, in the modeling world, a, a go-see. And, you know, you go see a bunch of different designers. You want to get booked for them um, with their collection. You want to get booked with them for a photo shoot. And it's... Um, the world of modeling is about image and, you know, the world of, that I live in with um, female illusion and um, impersonation, it's all about that image. It's about building that brand and how you want to, perc- how you perceive yourself and how you want the world to perceive you too. Mm-hmm. So I definitely have been learning some tips and tricks on how to interact with, you know, the people you're working for, America's Models, the designers, you know, it could be my fans and um, how to present that image perfectly. Yeah. But still being authentically yourself because you don't want to lose that piece of you. Right.
1: You do. I mean, as as much as everyone talks about how how young you are and how long how how young you come across, you do at, at least on on Drag Race carry yourself with the the poise of a veteran. Oh, thank you, thank you. How where how, where did that come from? Um,
2: I've heard a lot that that can be related to that um, small city, you know, upbringing and mm-hmm. that that kind of like charm and being like a Midwest kind of kid growing up with i I had very very strict parents growing up very strict and really they really instilled a lot of main core values in me as a teenage as a young kid and a teenager and my dad always told me a couple things and he always told me anything worth doing is worth doing well and he always taught me about being proactive and responsible so today I, i think i take some of those things a little too literally and i'm always trying to be Take a next step to be extra responsible, which sometimes can kind of bite me back in the, in, in the ass because, you know, you, you got to let things go and right. take things day by day. But um, I think a lot of that comes from just being taught, you know, if you want something, it's your job to make it happen for yourself. People aren't going to make opportunities happen for you. So I came from absolutely nothing. You know, my, my family was not well off by any means whatsoever. And I've always made do with whatever I've had. So I've just been very thankful and grateful for what I do have. And the more that I accomplish, the more that I succeed in, the more that I excel in, I have more of a gratitude behind it. So I think it's just always just this power behind me to work hard, and I have like this this gratitude, honestly, for all of that. So I think that just kind of humbled me because um, in this industry, you can become you can let your head become much larger every time you know a yeah. new opportunity comes your way, and I, I don't want that to happen.
1: So who do you um look to and and uh as as role models or who are people who who have careers that you would like to emulate?
2: I I think when you ask a lot of other drag queens what kind of careers they look up to and they're inspired to be like, and one person that pops out inevitably is always RuPaul Charles. Like mm-hmm. RuPaul is such a mainstream phenomenon in this world that wasn't so mainstream beforehand. And he has created such a world of allure for female impersonation and what we do. And kind of created the idea I was talking about earlier today that um, maybe 10 years ago, people thought that this business, we have something wrong with us. We're crazy. We need to be in a mental institution. We're weird. And he's created this normalcy around it. But not only am I just drawn to people that are in this drag verse, this drag universe, you know, I'm also really, really, one person that stands out to me so much is Demi Lovato, She, you know, I like to look up to people that are close to my age, you know, not only that are um, years ahead of me that have wisdom, but also people that are gaining wisdom that are around my age and someone who also is interested in some of the same things as I am and has been through some of the same experiences. She has been very public recently talking about um, addiction and her struggle with addiction. And I've been very, very public and talking about my sobriety, which has happened within the past year and also really helped me harness my career because I needed to get that part of myself uh, together before I could really branch out and become the truest form of Blair Sinclair that I've always wanted to be, I had to take care of me inside first. And so that's very inspiring when you hear someone who is so incredibly popular in mainstream music, so incredibly in tune with themselves that they can say, hey, you know, this is my struggle. This is what I'm going through and be an inspiration, but also be incredibly talented. So I like to focus on, I think so many people do focus on negatives. I like to focus on the positives. She's incredibly positive, incredibly inspiring and inspirational for the music, the talent, what she does, but also for who she is. And I like to look at the people who are truly inspirational and and around my age, age range. Mm -hmm. I
0: like that a lot. Was there an aesthetic that you remember seeing as a kid that you were like, I that's what I want. I want to. Oh, absolutely. Ginger Rogers
2: Gilligan's Island. You you see, Mm -hmm. yeah, I, I grew up watching all of the black and white TV land Uh television shows. So, you know, leave it to beaver, the Brady bunch, like all those things that, you know, came out really, um, quite a while ago. Mm -hmm. I remember watching Gilligan's Island especially. And I was like that woman the red hair you know the body like she's a model like she's stunning she's beautiful and the epitome of female illusion to me and like beauty is like that classic undeniable pretty yeah you know just something that's but also pretty isn't just on the outside I've learned especially pretty comes from inside too and how you carry yourself and like if you can't carry yourself in a beautiful manner and you don't believe it inside it's not going to exude on the outside
0: Uh uh-huh but Those were very – I mean, Ginger from Gilligan's Island especially it was like it – w- it was a ton of makeup. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So it was natural beauty, but it was mm-hmm. also like en- – Enhanced. Yeah. Yeah. Beat to yeah. death. To death. death. Yeah. But good drag. Mm-hmm. But yeah. But solid drag. But yeah, June Cleaver. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. What an
2: icon. What a icon. style icon. Exactly. And it's funny that you say that because I um, shot my first music video, Now or Never, which is available on iTunes for purchase and download. Uh-huh. And that music- Very vid- smoothly done. <laughs> <laughs> slight name drop. <laughs> uh, we So I was came up with a vision board for the music video behind the song. And my aesthetic has stemmed from that classic silhouette in the uh-huh. 1950s s- style, especially. And I said, I want to do a scene as kind of a housewife. And I said, it needs to look like June Cleaver. I said, maybe a slight tweak to 2018. But it's funny you say that because she has always been- the, when you say 1950s housewife, I'm like June Cleaver, Leave It to Beaver. That's the woman always. That's, that's the that's the silhouette. Oh yeah, yeah.
1: Um, and musical theater is a, a big part of your life still. Huge, right? huge. As a performer as well.
2: Um, yeah, it is. As a performer, it's interesting because where I am normally used to performing, and it's it's a lot of clubs, a lot of bar venues, and when when you, when you're performing. A lot of times, like, some of the audience members aren't as interested in a musical theater production. You know, unless you're going to a venue that is specified in a theater setting where they want to see a theater production, those are the best places to do it. They also have the best setup and equipment. You know, if you want to sing live and um, at a club, you don't have the feedback monitors to hear yourself yeah. singing. You don't have an earpiece or anything, a headset microphone. So I still love musical theater, but I'm trying to make my own musical theater, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. I'm trying to define what is musical theater to Blair St. Clair and what that has been recently is the idea of theatricality and so it's like okay I can maybe sing pop music I can maybe do something that is fun and really really current in the media you know you think of someone really current you think of like Nicki Minaj you think of um, Ariana Grande you think of Cardi B I'm like okay cool those are cool pop icons today now how can I make it theatrical well that can be my costuming that can be my makeup that can be my performance and how I sell the song if I'm going to lip sync to it uh-huh. and I just wanted to tell my performance needs to tell story mm-hmm. and story I think is related to musical theater that's how I kind of make the connection. Yeah,
1: yeah. Um and you mentioned a vision board earlier for mm-hmm. a music video. Do you do you have a vision board for life? For life? Um or if you did, <laughs> theoretically, what would be on it?
2: What would be on it? Well, I definitely I'm a control freak by nature mm-hmm. and um that has definitely bitten me in the ass many times because I try to over anticipate what's going to happen sometimes. Right. So I try to like hold back from creating vision boards for you know, things that I can't control. But if I, if I had to like create something perfectly for right now, I would continue my dreams and my goals and aspirations. I want to be the first drag queen that is signed with a major record label. And I would like to also take that as far as being the first drag queen played on the radio. And um, as well as appearing in large mass-produced magazines uh-huh. as a print work model, mm-hmm. whether that is the cover or like a nice 6 page page spread that those are some like really, really big career aspirations. Um, I also want to get married. I have a boyfriend and we, we want to get married and, um, raise our, our our dogs together. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and, and I think like, that's all I want to focus on for now and then let the rest kind of do its, its work, you know, just keep staying active and working hard. But I know myself enough that if I have like a super large specific goal in mind, and let's say it's like very specified for two years from now if i don't hit it i'm going to be frustrated yeah. so i want to keep it open enough but have plan for the future you know versus just being stuck on it
1: matt, matt i have to ask do you have a vision board i no, but i ma- i did make one once uh with uh homophilia guest dennis hensley yeah. really he once had a vision board party made one had a great <laughs> yeah there was of course a lot of jennifer aniston on it obviously oh of course aniston. how much Stunny. of it uh, were you
0: able to manifest
1: uh, well, th- in theory, all of it, because yeah. I've thought a lot about Jensen's then I've talked sure. a lot about Jensen's then. Uh-huh. So in a way I've made it all come true. I love it. One <laughs> could argue. Cause I have some foam core and a glue stick and
0: scissors in my office. I'm ready to go. Have you ever but made been, one? I've never have. It's been sitting there for like six weeks. Now, would your vision board look
2: like a crazy web that has like arrows pointing all over the place? Would it be very linear and spaced out? How would yours look? I think it would look like a high school locker. <laughs> kind of. You yes. know what I mean?
0: Just pictures here and there.
2: Mine would be like a, I mean? a Venn diagram of like contrasting things and things that work in the middle. Okay, uh-huh. i be very, I'm very linear, very, oh, ti- very see,
1: type A, very, very type A. Mine would I just, just like be pictures. a lot of very like um, on the nose magazine cutouts. My, yeah. Room like growing up was essentially a giant vision board. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. The covers it- of Entertainment Weekly all across the room. And- mm-hmm. uh-huh. what was it, what was yeah. a Blair St Clair's teenage bedroom like? My teenage bedroom, it was a lot of creativity, a
2: lot of art. I've always loved. Uh, originally, I went to school to do hair. Mm-hmm. You know, because I've I've loved creativity that especially like on people, whether it's hair and makeup. And so I had a bunch of oddly enough, um, cosmetology mannequin heads that Mm. circled around my room and my family and I were selling our teenage home at one point in time and I didn't want to leave the house yet because I was still kind of frustrated that my parents were selling the home. So I made sure that all these cosmetology mannequin heads were put in the closet. So when the realtor was showing the house that they would all be shown when they opened the closet door mm-hmm. and freak all the people out because I didn't want to That's leave amazing. yet. Yeah. I was still mad. I was like, I don't want to leave this house. I love this house. And uh, we actually got back reports from the realtor a few times saying those heads in, in, in <laughs> the boy's bedroom it needs to be like cleared out. They, 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 they can't be there. Yeah. So I always had some kind of a weird art project around my house. Somewhere. Where are the heads?
1: No,
2: That's now been sold. I, I, I sold all of them after cosmetology school. Oh. And now instead of like having real cosmetology heads with like hair on them, they're like styrofoam heads that have wigs on them that uh, are like lined around my sure. home now. <laughs>
1: sure. By the way, have you ever seen Return to Oz?
2: I actually haven't. So I've seen a
1: few clips, but I haven't watched it in entirety. You've got this. I rewatched it last night. Okay. It holds up. It is dark as hell. And I bring it up because uh there's an um there's um one of the, the villains is uh a witch who doesn't have a head and she has a collection really? of heads behind glass cabinets that she, so she chooses <laughs> a different head based on her mood. It's terrifying. Terrifying. That's great. But incredibly interesting. Yeah. Also, a really, really – because the, the big bad is a, um, a, a bearded old man who wears the ruby slippers. Uh-huh. Oh. So, wow.
2: Yeah. See, I love I that. I love it. when you can twist the classic and add, and add something new to it. That's awesome. Yeah. I love
0: that. Um, I would recommend a musical, a movie musical called okay. Starstruck from 1982. Mm-hmm. It's Australian or from New Zealand or something. Uh, but it's like a new wave musical. Okay. It's this plucky young gal and she wants to be a star. And she's got a, a cousin who wants to be her manager. And it's like them mm-hmm. trying to get on TV. And it's ridiculous. And the songs have nothing to do with anything that's going on. Right. But the the visuals, are ins- like the aesthetic is insane. And that's there are so cool. two in the middle of it. Like, it's, it's mostly kind of weird and bad, but fascinating. But there are two of the best things I've ever seen on screen mm. in that movie. That's, so. that's funny you say that, too, because
2: I tell people that the Blair St. Clair story, like if you had to write a musical about me, is just jumped off the bus into a big city and ready for whatever audition is coming, just want to make it big. Yeah, well, you want to yeah. make it big in a big city. Starstruck.
1: So mm-hmm. now you've got your uh, homework for the plane. You've got Starstruck yep. and Starstruck. Return to Oz. Return to Oz. Load up that iPad. There's a Disney Channel <laughs> yeah. Starstruck. That's not the one nineteen eighty
2: two. I think I've actually passed that before too. So yeah, that's what I thought <laughs> you thinking about.
0: Yeah. Well, we're going to take a little break. Yes. And we'll be back. Perfect.
1: Meow. <laughs> 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 Is that your cat? That's my cat. Oh, that's very convincing as a cat. We're talking, of course, about pretty litter. Yes, of course we are, which is uh,
0: cat litter 2.0. That's exactly right. And here's the thing: I like I think sometimes about getting a cat because I would love for Finn to have a little buddy. Yes, but another dog—that's a whole thing. So it'd be kind of fun to have a dog and a cat in the house. They'd chase each other around. They would develop an unlikely but heartwarming friendship.
1: Like calendars for days.
0: Exactly. But the problem is cat litter. Ben's like, I don't want cat litter. Who Finn does? It smells terrible. Well, so Pretty Litter would seem to solve that problem. comes shipped right to your door in a small lightweight
1: bag that lasts the entire month. That's right. It means no inconvenient trips to the pet store, yeah. no cramming oversized bags of litter into the closet. Mm-hmm. Pretty Litter gives you next-level
0: odor protection. We've been on one level of odor protection for right. kind of a long time. It was time for a quantum leap. They've done it. We're on the next level now. Instead of using clay or compost that will clump and is impossible to clean up, Oof. and it's gross, and it smells like barf pretty litter has super absorbent crystals that trap and conceal odor odor and moisture so you get no mess you get no smell
1: but the, but also the coolest thing about it is that pretty litter actually monitors your cat's health so yeah when they pee it changes colors to detect any underlying illnesses before you get to the point of like needing a, you know urgent medical care which of course will save you money and save wow. you stress and potentially it can save your cat's life it's like a mood ring but with cat urine exactly yeah Here's one. If it's red, that
0: means your cat is bleeding. Um, Yeah, well, try Pretty Litter today by visiting prettylitter.com and use the promo code homophilia for 20% off of your first
1: order. That's prettylitter.com, promo code homophilia. prettylitter.com, promo code
0: homophilia. Hey, welcome back. We're back with Blair. Do you feel refreshed?
2: I do. I surely do. Got okay. my coffee. I'm ready to go. Got the jitters.
0: <laughs> I'm telling you, that cold brew is no joke. Oh, no,
2: it's not. It, it's getting me together. Yeah. <laughs> Let's take it advantage of it. Let's apart. ride yes, this yes. out. It's
0: tearing me apart at the cellular level. That's hard to say. Um, <laughs> so you mentioned a boyfriend.
2: Yes, yes. Is he in D.C.? He is in D.C. He is fantastic. Is he? Fra-
0: did he bring you to D.C.?
2: He did, yeah. So um, he's always kind of lived in the area, and he has family that lives nearby. So now I'm not, I don't live close to my family anymore, but he, I love the area. I love DC and I love living with him. Great. Yeah. How long,
0: how, how long has the relationship been going We've
2: on? We've been together about a year okay. almost. Yeah. About before the craziness of my career kind of started off uh-huh. and it, the perfect time, you know, everything happens for a reason. Everything's a perfect time. This was one of those things that just fell perfectly in place. I didn't expect it to happen.
0: Uh-huh. It was great. And, and how long were you together before you moved in?
2: Um, we were together about six months or so. And yeah, we we had that conversation about, I can live just about anywhere in the country, and do my line of work, you know, I can go anywhere. And it's about the, the time that we have to see each other. And we've kind of created that nice boundary of when work time is work time for you, you go to work from nine to five, when work time is work for me, you know, I stay busy all the time but it's good to create that differentiation of when we work and when we're together and that that time together was really important for both of us so we we thought about like what was best for our relationship Uh and besides work besides you know other things and it it made sense for us to move in at the time it just felt right
1: so what is your home to being on the road ratio right now Home to being on the road ratio i'd say i'm home
2: usually getting home on a monday morning after a red eye from sunday night and i'm kind of recuperating monday and i'm home Tuesday, Wednesday, sometimes Thursday, sometimes. So I'm home about two to three days a week, and the rest of the week is traveling and performing. Wow.
1: Yeah. So what do you guys do to make that time count? Well, it,
2: a little bit of everything. So to make the time count, we make sure that we have a lot of time that's set aside for date night. So we have a date night set aside. We have time where we just talk about us, work is off the table, phones away, and we just make – the best time that we have for each other. Mm. But also if I have a really cool opportunity to travel, let's say to Hawaii, let's say to Costa Rica or wherever, that's like, okay, that's this is a really up- cool opportunity. Do you want to come with me, take a day or two off of work? Now those days are few and far between because it, it's healthy to have some time apart and it's yeah. healthy to, you know, because when I travel, it is for work and you have to be on and in, in, in your job. So we, we make as much time that we have really,
1: really count. Is it, a challenge for him to date someone who's such a you know public figure.
2: Um, I think you'd have to ask him that question. Yeah. But I think that you can separate. We well, he does not date Blair St Clair. You know, he makes sure that that's said very publicly. He supports, loves, and um, will always take care of Blair St Clair because that's inevitably a part of who I am. But he dates the person behind all the makeup, and you know that's how we fell in love was when the makeup was off and so he wants the best for me in my career but he knows that he would do it, when it whatever it took for me how did you guys meet uh, we met online just like just about anybody else sure. and um just get started a really good friendship really good friendship and just started talking and um it just spun from there i think the best relationships do start as friendships you know when, when there's no intent mm-hmm. you know i think a lot of people do go on dating sites today and they're like i want that relationship i want that perfect thing to fall in place and when you're Forcing it, it's not going to happen. And this was just by chance, by accident.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But you moved in six months after you met him. So that was a quick friendship. It was, yeah. Yeah. It was like it you was had very a really quick. good weekend of being friends. And then, okay, <laughs> then the we, got, we got
2: that out of the way. Yeah. <laughs> it was, it was, it was just a bond. You know, when you meet someone right away, and um, it was a nice connection. Okay. You, you know, I, I have less connections um, very intimately with people today because a lot of times I run into those instances, instances and those situations where. Um, it's not as easy to create a really true solid friendship as it might have been a year and a half ago. And so when you find those instant clicks, you want to hold on to them as much as possible.
0: Right. So yeah, when you meet people now, you kind of have to worry about what their intentions might be. There's definitely
2: a bit of that. Yeah, there's definitely the worry mm-hmm. and and the trust right there. Mm-hmm. But I've learned a couple different ways to kind of, you know, set those things aside. You can kind of like meet someone and tell right away if if, if they're genuine or not. I think most people can say that. You know, you look in someone's eyes, you talk to them. Now, granted, everyone almost wants something from everyone in the world. And that's totally natural. You know, you call someone because you want to go to dinner, you call someone because you want to borrow something. It could be very small as that. You could call someone because you want them to take photos for you. You know, you could call someone cause you want a job from them, but almost we always as humans want something or need something from other people. And it's, so I'm looking for the people today that want just my friendship. You know, yeah. just want friendship, just want love, just want, um, those things versus just, you know,
0: the, the business stuff. Yeah. How, when did you first realize that your life had changed once, once drag race started airing? Was there like a moment where you're like, oh boy, it, new territory.
2: I had like two different moments. So the first moment was when I got the phone call that you're going to be a RuPaul's Drag Race. Yeah. And I broke down. I, I was just like, this is the moment that not my life is changing, but I have the ability to change my life. Where were you? Um, So funny story. I was at an amusement park and I just, I was in the audition process for Drag Race Uh and I knew, I just had had that feeling and I've never had that feeling before when you hear people talk about it, but I had this feeling that I was just going to have good news soon. I just knew it was, it was going to work out. And oddly enough, the same day I got onto like a water ride and my phone got completely waterlogged and it completely broken. And so I went back to my house the next day. And I had gotten an email because my, you know, by this point in time, my phone was broken. And it said, hey, this is World of Wonder. Please give us a phone call at your soonest convenience. And they sent like a phone number to call. So I rushed the next day to the Apple store to get my phone fixed. And as soon as my phone was fixed, I called like, hi, this is Blair. Like, I was told to call you guys. Um, I don't know what's happening. Like deep breathing and just convulsing basically. And they're like, we just want to tell you that you've been cast on RuPaul's Drag Race and we haven't <laughs> been able to contact you. I was like, not only did I get the phone call, but you couldn't to contact me. Like oh I feel terrible. God. But, um, that's when I, I just broke down crying because it was just such a relief. It was just such a happiness because that was the moment I was like, this could change my life. Yeah. And it's in my hands to do that. Cause I'm going to go on TV. There's so much opportunity to take advantage of. And the other moment was when the show officially premiered on television seeing myself on TV, walking into a bar or walking into, you know, an airport even, and people recognizing you. And I was like, oh, wow, this is weird. It doesn't feel weird to me because I'm watching this and this is myself. And I remember going through those things. I was there when it happened. It was recorded. But watching it played back and then watching people recognize you, that was when it was weird because I was like, oh, okay. I'm not just watching this by myself at home. Thousands, even millions of people are watching this on television. And that's when I knew that, like, life is changing.
1: Yeah. yeah, it was weird. And before you got the phone call and you knew life had changed, but what what was life like before then? I mean, I, I, like specifically as a performer. I mean, you, you were doing drag.
2: Yeah, I was. Um, life had gotten very hard right before I got that phone call. And, you know, a lot of people say that life gets hard before it gets better. Mm-hmm. And I think that's true. Sometimes it was 100% true in this case. And that past year I had like lost – Two grandparents that I was close to, I had lost my job because I was working in a salon and I just wasn't able to put in as much of the work that I wanted to. And I told them, I was like, I can't do this. And also, I can't also, I can put both things into my my full-time job in the salon and my wanting to make a full-time job in the drag world, and I had to choose. And they're like, you need to choose, and I chose drag because I knew that that's what I, that was my passion, my number one, what I love doing. So I really kind of like lost out on that main income, and I was really, really working for like $25 gigs to mm. pay rent, and there were many weeks where I would be making no more than $100 a week to pay rent, pay utilities, pay everything, pay to invest in drag and to invest back. And so I was doing these $25 gigs for maybe 50 people in the an audience, and I was making no money. I was very frustrated and stressed, but I was very happy with what I was doing. I loved what I was doing. And I just kept putting good vibes out into the universe. And I kept working very, very hard on that audition tape to send into the producers, just to show my passion. Cause People ask, you know, well, what, what, what made your tape stand out? Why do you think that you got on Drag Race? And I said, I don't think I sold them who Blair Sinclair is. I don't think I sold them why I want to be on TV. I think I just sold them how passionate I am about this career field Mm. and how I know that I can use this to build a brand and to, to just, I I had fallen in love with it so long ago and why I continue to love it. And I remember telling my mom Before I got the official phone call, I said, if it doesn't happen this year, I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do the rest of the year. I was like, I have to figure something out. And it's jeopardizing that idea of living happily and doing, you know, living my, my passion, but not really being able to fill my passion, my, to fulfill my passion with the amount of money that's coming in. Or do I, you know, turn to doing something else and kind of giving up this idea until auditions roll around another year from now. So I I was really lost, but found at the same time. (laughs)
1: Yeah. I'll say. Did your family watch the show?
2: They did. My family, my boyfriend's family, I had extended family that contacted me that didn't understand what drag was really about. They didn't really understand my livelihood and my life that now say they have a better recollection and idea of what I do. And that's the coolest part is when people are like, oh, I didn't really know what you did and understand, but they still don't really understand because it's a TV show. You yeah. they know, they're not watching me in action all the time, but it's opened up the conversation now. People were like, oh, my mom and my dad and my, my – I have two younger brothers that are in college. And so now they're like, I want to come see you in a show. What it's like. So um, they're both under 21. Um, one of them just turned 21. But before that, they're like, well, what's an all-age show I can come see you at. And they both came. And we're like, wow, this is what you do? This is cool. And it's opened up a new conversation topic, which has been
0: probably one of the coolest things. That's awesome. Yeah. So with the boyfriend, um, do you plan to marry –
2: I absolutely do. Yeah. yeah. Okay. A lot of people have asked, you know, if you were to ask you today, I'd be, I, I wear a promise ring and I never take it off. Um, and a lot of people ask if you'd ask you to marry today, what would you say? I said, absolutely. I'm, you know, this this is the person for me. Yeah.
1: Promise ring you wear on the middle? Or in the middle, yeah. Is that how they work? I don't what, know. That's is... just what I chose. Cause yeah.
2: I I wear the promise ring on the middle. And then if I get an engagement ring, I'll go on the other one. And um, I think being gay and the idea of engagement people wonder who's the one to propose who's the one to accept the proposal and what i would like to do is in a perfect world i would like to be proposed to yeah and then i would like to wear that engagement ring and then um on the wedding day i would like to do like the wedding ring opposite something like that like i would create like try to create something back and forth if that makes sense
1: <laughs> so if you if he proposes mm-hmm. you're getting an engagement ring then is he also getting one in the in between times? So I think I want to use the engagement ring as a wedding ring. Uh-huh. Like switch it out. Oh, so you'd not wear, wear, both. wear the engagement ring during the engagement. engagement. He would go. He would not have a ring, but then on the day. Oh,
2: it's, it's an idea. I'm not sure. I guess I haven't thought it through all the way.
0: I, well, I mean, listen. I'm, yeah, no I was right waiting cares. for ask. So if you're listening, just, if you're listening, curious. baby,
2: I'm waiting. I tell him that all the time as a joke. I'm like, I'm waiting, I'm waiting.
1: No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I get that question all the time. You so, do? Like who's proposing to him? Yeah, who? who's I'm proposing? Like, I don't know. Yeah. Ask him. <laughs> anyway, uh, he, Michael, my boyfriend, by the way, mm-hmm. said to tell you he loves you. Oh, thank Huge you. Huge fan. We we have we have been trying to get you for oh. some time, and we were at DragCon. You were very busy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We did Crazy, interview busy. Dusty and had an amazing conversation. Dusty's amazing. Yeah. yeah. Good Dusty's good fantastic. Good people. You had a, a killer person. lineup in your season. That's the hardest thing
2: because. It, we had such a stat cast of personality, yeah. and I think my my specific TV time might has might have been slightly, le, slightly less memorable at certain points because I do have a very big personality. But compared to all the personalities on the show, I don't think it really matched in some parts of the show. Like had I been on me and another season that maybe had um, a few a few less super standout personalities, maybe I would have shined a little bit more. But I was I remember filming. I was very reserved. I was like freaked out by how much personality was in the right. room.
1: There was so much going on. I'm you sure. held your own beautifully. Well, thank yeah. you. Very memorable.
2: I, I, it was important to me just to, to be as authentically myself as I could. Mm-hmm. But as but it's still a competition. You know, you still want to work your hardest to win. Right, of course. It's the goal. That's mm-hmm. why I signed up to go. Uh,
1: and of course, you, one of the many memorable moments was when you very bravely and beautifully uh, came out and spoke out about um, being a sexual assault mm-hmm. survivor. And, um, obviously we want to know uh, this week that we're talking to you specifically, um, what your thoughts are. But before we get into that, when, when that aired, what, how did you feel and what was the reaction? That was very hard
2: because I never, never went into RuPaul's drag race with the idea of talking about my specific instance of sexual assault. Never, never crossed my mind. And on that runway stage, When I was possibly in the bottom two, that hadn't even been discussed yet, um, my drag had almost been kind of questioned and like what I had done. And there was a long conversation that was, you know, condensed to what you see on TV. And the conversation really consisted of, you know, well, why do you, why is it just pretty after pretty after pretty? You know, why aren't you like breaking out of the box or the, you know, giving us this edge? And this is the judges. The judges like having this conversation. It was mainly with RuPaul too especially who I looked up look up to immensely and he had just kind of coaxed out of me he's like you've said many many times that you draw a lot of negative experience into your drag and you've kind of elevated your drag to kind of overcome some of those things and and why are you so dainty or why are you so frilly or why, why do you love those beautiful things and I never really made the connection until like having that conversation And I was like you know I have I've used these things to kind of empower myself you know i've used beauty and softness and um things that remind me of what is pretty and um fragile in life because i feel like a lot of the parts of my life have been kind of stolen from me that innocence has been stolen and he is like you know why and that was a long conversation that inevitably got me to talking about my sexual assault experience um, specifically but um i hadn't had any kind of expectation to talk about it. I had never really talked to anyone about it in my life before. You know, my parents had never talked to my mom and I are very, very close. And, I ne- you know, I never talked to a producer about it either. Mm-hmm. And it just came up very, very naturally. And, um, even after we had finished wrapping, filming, everything had been done. Producers so kindly called me and said, Hey, this is a very sensitive subject. We could tell it was so special. And that moment was very, very, um, intimate and, how much are you comfortable with, you know, in, in your your sanity, especially with that being broadcast on Nashville television? You know, they came to me and asked me, how much do you want to show on TV? Which I have been so grateful for because not many people are going to contact you on a reality show saying, how much like, do want how you want to show? Yeah, how can right. we protect you? And I felt very protected. And, and I, by that point in time, I had been talking to many people about it and in therapy and talking about that specifically. And I had decided at that point, I was like, it's now been said. It's now kind of, I think my duty to discuss that. I think it's now time to, it might free me a little bit, especially, and others to keep that in. So I I said, you know, whatever you think is appropriate to show, I said, but I think it should be shown because... It's a part of my life, and I didn't want to hide behind it anymore. I was just kind of ready to free myself, mm-hmm. and the show allowed me to do that. Really, truly.
1: And I'm sure a lot of people have reached out to you to thank you, fellow mm-hmm. survivors. You know, I
2: had no idea how many fellow survivors there were. That actually has inspired me because I've sat and I've you know met people, hundreds upon hundreds of people, you know, even thousands, and so many of them have told me like, "Hey, I thank you for saying this because it's kind of given me a little bit of." freedom in myself to, to talk about it. And the hardest part is that initial talking about it because you can hold it inside for as long as you want to if you've never reached out. But the first, you know, they say that the first part of healing in any cycle of healing is admitting, you know, a problem or admitting a struggle. And you can admit all day long and talk about that initial trauma but you're not going to find healing until you go through all those steps of healing. And I I tell people, I was like, I'm so happy that my story could reach you and you could talk about it. I was like, but please know that, you know, this first step of healing, it might get slightly harder, but it's going to get better. I was like, keep working at it. Find, you know, and work through that vicious cycle because you will get there. You will, but it's it's not going to be easy right away. And I make sure people know that. But it's, the beauty is if you want to get to that acceptance, you have to go through all those steps and those stages.
1: So reconciling it for you has been about Therapy and it's been about speaking out mm-hmm. and is that I mean is that the, the process essentially? Yeah, it's
2: it's been a lot about therapy and really diving into talking about those very special moments, those very intimate moments of myself. You know, and it also like opens up you know childhood and where maybe you've made connections with how you view yourself, you view your sexuality, you view you view you just you know who you are and that intimacy of yourself and how that can be traumatized and kind of be stumped i almost feel like my over sexualization you know i think the, the gay community is sometimes over sexualized and i think my sexuality was kind of halted at one point and i wasn't able to kind of reach past that so this past year has been about how can i challenge myself to get past that how can i work myself to feel confident in my body i've also talked you know A little bit about my struggle with um, my weight growing up and how I was very, very, very insecure about my size, my image. And I think as a gay man, I was very insecure, especially about my physicality. And drag has helped me overcome my physical image because I can control it. I can create um, my own art form. So not only having sexual trauma, but also being insecure with my physical appearance, it kind of halted that ability to, to say, you know, oh, I do love myself. I do love this inner person. And it's not all about what's on the outside. In the past year, I've kind of used my dragon, that illusion, that image to kind of find healing. It's like, yeah, it's not all about on the outside. I can look as pretty as you want me to look. You know, I can paint a great image for you, just like an artist can. I like, but if I don't love what's on the inside, and I finally realized that that's what I wasn't loving was on the inside. I was like, I'm not going to get to that point where the outside shines mm-hmm. and shows what's on the inside. So the past year has been about um, really, really showing who Blair St. Clair is as a person and diving into those really big moments of myself and finding out who that character is as a human being, not just the persona. And that's allowed me to feel, um, more triumph in my traumas. I think
1: that's beautiful. So we, this, I don't actually know when it happened, but this week I, we're recording it is when I heard and became so incensed on just as a fan of yours on your behalf, as I know, countless other people did that another drag queen in a comedy show made some disgusting jokes Mm -hmm. about your assaults. And there was a, there was naturally a backlash and then kind of doubled down instead of apologizing, which to me is the, is uh, almost worse. Um, and so we don't even have to talk about her. I don't give a shit about her, but I'm, I'm just curious how, that has all uh, landed. Sure, yeah. I think it's something that is good to talk about, but I
2: have very specific views of how I want to talk about that because um, I understand when comedy is released, comedy is a way to help. It's a way to, um, especially with the sensitive material, it's a way to kind of find um, healing in that sometimes too, to poke jokes or um, to lighten heavy moods and heavy situations. And I think that I don't want to be oversensitive mm-hmm. in, in that way. Like, I don't want to say that some, you know, you, as a comedian, you cannot say certain things uh, because that's not true. You know, I think they all subject matter is on the table. And especially myself, I have put my, you know, if you have to think about me, my career, what I've done in the community, I have put myself in the world with sharing my stories, as in hopes of changing other people's lives, but that's also in double effect. I am sharing myself with the world, and now that's open topic for conversation. Whether you like it, you don't like it. Whether you want to make a joke about it or not, I'm putting that the, to the universe. Now, do I think it's appropriate to make to say something about my specific instance and in my sexual assault and make a joke of it? I don't. You know, I, I think that's inappropriate. However, you know, I think that um, it can be done. I don't think that's ever, you know, ever making a joke of rape is funny. You know, I'll make sure that's set on the record. I don't think it's funny. But I don't, but I also want to say, in accordance with that, I don't want to limit what comedy can and cannot be because I think that that is insensitive and in my myself. So I, I do think that rape jokes contribute to rape culture. And I think that is, in point, the truth. You know, and I'm looking at what the truth of the matter is. You know, there are less victims that come out you know, and say that there are things that are happening to them or not even coming out publicly, but coming out to that one person that can help them, you know, if, if it's just one person. And if they're afraid or scared, those jokes that are in accordance with that, you know, can can definitely make that fear present. So I think that I don't want to limit what comedy is and is not, but I will say that if you want to question my struggles and want to question my story and put that into the universe, that's where I find a personal
0: problem. And that was, and it was a, a personal joke. It wasn't it was, just yeah. a general rape yeah. joke. Mm-hmm. It was, yes. It was, and, and
2: so the, and so in, in my statement back, I, I, I basically just said very broadly, not to specifically pinpoint that's that comedian, but I wasn't going to say, Oh, you owe me an apology. Cause I, I don't think I'm owed an apology. I think I am just my due diligence. What I can do is just stand up for myself and say, I think it's inappropriate. I think it was definitely pinpointed toward me, which I think was an inappropriate jest. And I don't think was done correctly at all. But, um, you know, I, I don't need an apology today in my life to be to know what's right. Yeah, I don't,
1: you know, I, that's I, incredibly generous of you yeah. and, you but, but, it. but, you know, yeah.
2: I, I hope that people would, can see the sensitivity of the issue and understand I'm not asking for, for rape. You know, I'm not, I'm asking, I'm not telling people what comedy is and is not. Yeah. I'm just saying that there is a sensitivity, sensitivity factor for specific jokes. And I think that can cross a line, but, um, I'm not mad. I'm not angry and I'm not personally hurt because I am secure enough in myself and my stories and I know that I'm finding my own healing and I don't need an apology to help me find more healing because I'm doing that on my own. And so I think it's a sensitive topic to talk about, but unfortunately it has brought the topic so nationally and it's brought it out that this is apparently what we needed to have this conversation. Yeah. And if we're going to have this conversation, well, I'm not going to thank that comedian for bringing it to light But I am going to use this as a platform to talk about because it is important. It's very specifically important to myself. And I'm not going to, you know, I'm going to make sure that it's talked about, make sure that it's brought to attention.
0: You handle the situation like a classic lady.
1: You (laughs) do.
2: You absolutely absolutely. are. I I, I just don't think it's appropriate to lash out. And I don't think it's appropriate to demand an apology because that is – today in my life I live for me. Yeah. don't live for other people so if someone makes fun of your haircut are you going to be happy because they apologize to you or are you going to be happy because you believe that your haircut looks great and you're just going to find your own beauty in it
1: you Mm -hmm. know but you're looking at me and you know i have a bad haircut so that's a tricky (laughs) i can't answer (laughs) a murky (laughs) area (laughs) oh blair st Clair, blair 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 i i I still want an apology for you even if you don't need one is that a strange response Mm. is that i
2: no i don't think it's strange at all i think I think everyone has had a different kind of reaction to that and I've been victimized enough in my life. I don't stand to be a victim anymore today. I'm no longer a victim. I'm a survivor and that's the way I choose to be every day. So you can apologize on my behalf if you'd like. And, um, I thank you for that. But today I am secure in my own life and my own self that You know, I'm not gonna I'm gonna continue not making this such a personal remark, and I'm just gonna continue living my life as it never happened. But still speaking about love for everyone else. About love and equality for everyone else. Mm -hmm.
1: It's beautiful. My God, you're a role model mm-hmm. and a hero, and an icon. Yes, oh, thank you. And and
0: overdue for a uh, a road trip to Pomona. So yes, we're gonna, <laughs> I uh, am. Uh, yeah, we'll we'll let you let do you that out
2: of uh, Blair Sinclair, Clair. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. It's been great talking to you guys today. Thank
0: you. Nice. Seriously. <laughs> Well, I just received some Bachelor in Paradise intel that I can't say on the air.
1: Oh, it's so juicy! It's pretty juicy. I didn't understand
0: most of it, mm-hmm. but your reaction—I'm was... conflicted. Uh-huh. I'm conflicted, but that's okay. That's it's my it's my thing to process and to digest as I will in my own way because that's what I'm
1: about. Yes, that's what this show is about. So the, the way. show's about. That's that. what this episode was about. Mm-hmm. I mean, in all seriousness, Blair St. Clair, what what a fucking uh, poised and well-spoken afterward yeah. by the way she was like she was like i haven't even really talked about this yet I wasn't yeah. really sorry if i <laughs> basically apologizing for not being like having like a her yeah. you know b- being well-spoken yeah for being uh unbelievably eloquent and
0: compassionate uh, yeah it was uh incredible.
1: she is a uh goddamn superstar and guys you are goddamn superstars for listening yeah thank you for listening thank you dana Thank you, Sam. Thank you, Ryan.
0: Recipient of the Glow Up of the Year Award. Sam with that new haircut. Great, great, great haircut. Mercy. Thank you, Faye, for snoring through this interview. Literally, I said this at the end of that interview. I thought there was a bass guitar warming
1: up in the next studio over. (laughs) It was not. It was a snoring dog. Um, Thank you. Everybody here. Well, thank you, Ben Wise, for the music. Thank you, Dave Holmes. Thank you, Matt McConkie. Bye, guys.
0: Well, this episode is brought to you by the new season of Shameless. Featuring Courtney Cox. Featuring Courtney Cox, Monica Geller, to you and me, Mm -hmm. premiering only on Showtime.
1: Guys, the Gallaghers have moved up in the world and are facing new challenges with reason to maturity. Just kidding. Wrong show. They're They're over their heads as usual, and that's why we love them. That's right. William H. Macy, he's been nominated
0: for an Emmy. Emmy Rossum. She hasn't, but her name is Emmy. They star in Shameless, premiering Sunday,
1: September 9th at 9 p.m. You can stream it. You can watch it. You can demand it. You can watch it live, but it's only available at Showtime.